drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked up by the line, coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30, it's at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, touchdown to Torbeyer, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown to Detroit Lions! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. We were off last week. The reason we were off is because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I mean, I, I just couldn't do a show. I mean, the team was only, what, three and five at that point, but I, I just couldn't do it. I mean, I couldn't deal with Grifka. I needed a break. I needed a break from Twitter, the people, but I'm back. I did a solo show for you guys this weekend. I'm back. Grifka's back, and most importantly... Logan Lamarandier from uh, U.S. Uh, gosh, Sports Illustrated. All Lions is back on the show, and we we love having him talking Lions. We got questions. I'm sure he's going to have some very interesting stuff to say. So this is normally where I introduce Grifka, but Logan, how are you, man? Glad to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. Just uh, ready to talk some Lions football after a victory. Pretty awesome victory against the Washington football team. Oh, yeah. Can I, cannot wait to talk about it. Hey, Waffle Maker, Grifka, how you doing, buddy? I, I, I kind of missed you for a week. Not really. How you doing? I know you missed me, but I'm doing good. Doing good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, see, I take a week off. I'm not at the bell. There we go. Now we're off to a good start. But, uh, Logan, like you said, I, I want to get into this Washington game right off the top because, to me – gosh, I don't even know where to start. I feel like the Lions came out hot again. You know, the deep touchdown, Matt Stafford throwing it down the football field. They get out to a big lead, then they give up the lead, and then they will it in th- win it in thrilling fashion. Like, sum up this game and kind of where you're at with this team just in broad strokes for me off the top. Yeah, so I think the Lions under Matt Patricia, at least this year, uh, continue to kind of beat these bad teams in Washington. They are one of the worst football teams in the NFL in my mind, just because they don't really have much of an offense uh, outside of Terry McLaurin. Um, There's not a ton there and their defense. I'll give their defensive credit. They have a pretty stout and good pass rushing defensive line. And even their corners have played fairly well, but uh, you know, it's just, I think the most frustrating part with, the game on Sunday was that the Lions were again up big and they let another team come back in the fourth quarter and a team much like the Bears at the beginning of the season that doesn't have a great offense they allow 21 unanswered points to, to end the fourth quarter before the Lions get the ball back like I just don't know how that keeps happening I would maybe understand it a little bit more if it was against high-powered offenses but these are the type of games when you have the opportunity the Lions need to actually put the foot on the throat of these teams and close it out and stop being so conservative. It's been an issue for a long time, but uh, to me, it's just, I I feel like this Lions team right now is really just good enough to beat the bad teams, but really not good enough to beat the good teams. And where does that really lead you? It doesn't, you're just right back to where we were at with Jim Caldwell a few years ago. And it's a frustrating spot to be in right now, I think. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. I am the uh, positive one on the show, and I, I do this every week here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I serve it up for the people. Drink it in, man. So, Logan, I I, I got to turn to my buddy Grifka here, and, and I want to throw this at him because I can't wait to hear what he has to say. So, you, you gave your thoughts. Here's my thoughts to Grifka, the old waffle maker. So, a few years ago, probably four years ago, the Lions started out slow. I mean, just a turtle getting out of the gates every game, just didn't do anything. And then they would come back in the second half and won all these thrilling games. And Matt Stafford's the comeback king. Now, all of a sudden in 2020, we get out to all these hot starts and people are just killing the Lions because they can't hold these leads like teams did against them years ago. And other teams are storming back yet. 
a few times they fell short. A few times uh, teams have, have got them at the buzzer. So, Grifka, I want to know what's the difference in your mind between the two because, to me, they're basically, you know, heads and tails of each other, yet the Lions are on the other side of the coin now and people are just throwing a fit. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to score one more point than your opponent. They did that and and beat the WFT. I feel like we got to feel positive and not be so worried about how it happens sometimes. What do you think? I can't wait to hear this positive reply from you, buddy. I think it's just kind of the game of the NFL where teams say once they get up, oh, their defense is holding them. We're just going to, you know, play, you know, play a little safe and, you know, try to run the ball, eat the clock. The clock's our friend. And the other team's like, okay, we got to score now. So they start to take more chances. And I feel that's what happened. You know, like you mentioned a few years ago with the Lions, and then they got up. It's like, oh, these guys aren't nothing. We got them. And the defense holding them. Stafford shows up. And you know, like you said, he's the comeback king. Well, now the Lions are starting out hot. They got it. And I think uh, that's what Bevel's doing. It's like, okay, our defense is playing well. You know, this team isn't that much. And they kind of take the foot off the accelerator. And other teams like, well, forget about it. We we don't have nothing left to lose. So they just start chucking the ball all around, showing up the lack of the pass rush that the Lions have. And they're able to come back. And, you know, like you said, every once in a while, the Lions miraculously hold on. And there have been games this year where they've blown the lead and, and lost the game. So I think that's just the style of what really happens in the NFL because, it's almost like teams are afraid to, I don't want to say kind of do that college thing where there's some college coaches like Steve Spurrier notoriously did it. He couldn't do it in the NFL because his offense didn't translate. It was just like, we're just going to keep scoring. We don't care. We're just, you know, it's almost like the NFL is like a brotherhood. Like we don't want to show you up too bad, but you know, if, you know, if we run the ball and we score, it's okay, but we're not going to keep chucking the ball down the field on you. So I think that's what happens where teams are more liable to give up, you know, leads and other teams come back to win as opposed to, you know, I don't know, just kind of keeping it close the whole time. So I think that's just the mentality of the NFL. Yeah. Well, like like I said, I, I think it doesn't really matter. You know, if they come back late and everybody's excited or they lose a lead late but still win the ball games, I, I, I feel like they're pretty much one and the same. Logan, you sound pretty frustrated about it, that it's more the latter where – you don't like these, you know, letting them come back and still getting W's. You, you think it's a, a lack of, of good football rather than if they stormed back in the second half and won, you you, you might be more fired up. Am I right? Uh, a little bit. I mean, if the Lions continuously were pulling out wins and didn't have so many blown leads, I might think of it differently. But uh, with against Washington, obviously they still won, but there's been plenty of examples in the past that's come back to bite them. And that's where it gets frustrating because it's, it's been an issue in the past and they continuously let it happen. So, um, I mean, either way, it's frustrating if you start off bad or poorly early and you're always coming from behind because then the question arises, well, why can't you just do that the whole game? It is the NFL. Um, I get that there's two teams on there, but I just feel like the Lions get a little bit too conservative at the end of the game, get too predictable and teams are able to tee off on it. And that's, again, it's been an issue for a long time. And it turned out all right against the Washington football team, but you could have seen it really going either way. And then um, I would just like that not to happen so frequently, I guess. Yeah. Grifka, I'm coming to you for a question in a moment, but hold on. I got to pour it out for the people one more time. Drink it in, man. So, so... So my, my thing is that, like, last year, everybody wanted the Lions to start faster, score more, have the lead at halftime. They've done that. Yet, no one seems to even acknowledge that they're nice starts or that they put up a pretty good amount of points through a lot of these ball games. They only focus on the, well, then you lost it, or then you didn't do this. It's like... Sometimes I feel like I want to just take the victories where they come throughout the game where it's like everyone said that we can never run the football. Now all of a sudden we got this guy, I don't know, his name is DeAndre Swift. He's running the ball, he's catching the ball, he's jumping over people, he's doing all types of things, yet we, we, we can't take that victory and like, hey, we can finally, we, we might have a running back on our hands that's dynamic. Hey, we got out hot start. That's what you guys wanted last year, right? They did that. Now, do they need to clean up the back end and some things? Yeah, but as I always tell Grifka, I'm not expecting perfect football from start to finish. I'm not expecting to win every ball game for the Detroit Lions. I feel like sometimes we go in and we just think we can beat everybody, no matter the opponent, where it is, what time it is, who's hurt, who's not. 
Lions fan just thinks we're coming in and we're going 16 and 0 every year and they don't acknowledge the good the bad throughout the ball game as well as what happened in the end did you win did you lose did you make plays at the end or did you fold at the end this game against the WFT they made plays at the end they found ways to win it after giving up a lead which is the ebb and flows that Matt Patricia talks about so again there's some Detroit Kool-Aid for everybody that be happy we have a run game be happy that we started out faster and then hope that they can get it fixed of losing some of these leads and some of this spotty defense and and see what this team can be so so there you go there's a little uh, Kool-Aid spin Grifka I know you got like 50 great questions for Logan that are just going to be tremendous so go ahead and fire one of those off buddy okay um as Derek mentioned a couple seconds ago about DeAndre Swift, it looks like he's now going to be the uh, the main man. My question is in regards to Adrian Peterson. Uh, Swift, I believe, should get more carries, but does it look like the Lions are still trying to feed Adrian Peterson to maybe kind of keep him happy that he came here? Are they kind of underutilizing Kerryon Johnson? Because it looks like there's points where that guy has flashes as, as well. Is it maybe time to like put Adrian Peterson kind of like on the back burner in the season and kind of let your two young horses run? Yeah, and I think they kind of did that last week, as you saw with Adrian Peterson. Uh, only had four attempts, I want to say, and uh, Swift definitely had a majority of the workload. He had 73% of the snaps. And I think with DeAndre Swift, you look at his body type and his size, he's not necessarily, I don't think he'll ever be a true workhorse but 73 percent of the snaps is about as as a workhorse as it can get I think for him without really starting to risk injury or him just wearing down because he had his fair share of uh, like little nagging injuries while in college and with Swift I think his usage it was it was nice to see that they gave him the ball more and it seems like they set up plays for him in the passing game or they put him out in space and he was really impressive with making people miss and just really putting that agility on full display. So it's for Peterson. I, I really just feel like he's at the point of the season where he, he's starting to definitely look his age. Even after that first week, he had a, Peterson looked good to start and then it's been downhill ever since. And uh, I felt like he had a couple tough runs against Washington, which was nice to see. And maybe that's him just being a little bit more fresh, but uh, it, it's tough to say where Swift is at. I feel like running back is kind of one of those positions where, you can kind of come into the league and pretty much start right away. There's not, yes, there's a big learning curve, but relative to the rest of the positions, it's rather easy. It's just, do you have the vision? Do you know where to run and get the ball? And you're kind of good. And yeah, I'm making it sound very simple, but uh, I, I just feel like it's time to really start feeding and relying on Swift and Peterson and maybe even a little bit of carry on. I wouldn't mind mixing in carry on a little bit more uh, are just the change of pace guys, but it's, I think it's very obvious that Swift is just the type of guy who's a difference maker. And the Lions, especially without Kenny Galladay, lack that on offense right now. Yeah, I'm there with you. I mean, Swift obviously isn't the Dalvin Cook type running back. But at this point, I don't know. I'm hoping Adrian Peterson kind of realizes where he's at, the role. You know, the young bucks are out there. I'm sure he probably wants the ball still, but this team isn't going to improve with uh, your young horses kind of riding pine, trying to continue, continually give the ball to the old Wiley veteran out there. And he wasn't, like you said, he hasn't been producing like he was early in the year. So um, I'm right there with you. I think Swift, you know, obviously needs to get the ball more. And I think the lines are finally starting to realize that. So uh, Derek, what you got? Yeah. Let me get down on this conversation for a minute. Cause I, I both disagree with both of you, but also agree in some ways. And this is how that goes down. I know it sounds like a waffle maker kind of take, but it's not because uh, here's, here's where it goes. Like Adrian Peterson to me, I have to explain this to Grifka on most of our shows. It's not always about what you see in the box scores. It's not what you see in the stat line. You know, you just want to say, well, he's not producing his yards per carry aren't as good. This, that, and the other. Adrian Peterson has done a lot good for not only the running back room, but this football team since he's come in. He's another professional, hard worker, a guy that's been productive in the league. The Lions don't have a ton of those on the roster, so he helps there. Yeah, like you said, he started fast. His stats have been down, but even in this last game, when he gets the football, 
I don't think he's a liability. I mean, he made at least one or two runs that I thought were nice. He had a catch out of the backfield most of these games where he actually does catch the football, which he's not been very good at his whole career, which is a plus. Adrian Peterson hasn't put the ball on the ground at all as a lion, knock on wood. And uh, he's done that a lot in his career. So I, I feel like he's been a plus player if you're not just looking at you know, good old analytics, yards per carry, this, that, and the other. Now, where I agree with you guys is I put out on Twitter today, and I was going to get into it with Grifka. DeAndre Swift is the most dynamic football player on this team. He has another gear that nobody has had in, in the Lions uniform in a while. When he catches it, when he gets that ball in his hands, he's just... Grifka mentioned Dalvin Cook. I said this about him last year. When he gets up to top speed so quick, it looks a lot different than other running backs you watch. And I feel like Swift has that same juice as well as just his silkiness in the in the passing game, his confidence. I, I put him as the, the most dynamic and the top lion, whether Kenny Galladay is healthy now or not, whether Matt Stafford is lined up or not. Just what he can do at such a young age and just his the way he looks on the field he passes the eye test to me of not only a number one back but just a dynamic football player that we haven't had here in a while um, on the offensive side of the ball so uh, those are my thoughts any any retorts from you guys before we we move on here i think that was that was fair yeah (laughs) grifka you got any big issues i i don't know what you're gonna get into me with because i pretty much agree with you on that so i'm not for sure what you're what you're getting at there <laughs> well you're killing adrian hey. peterson you act like he should just be uh handing out gatorades and i'm telling you that he's done hey, some good question. things as well as uh quick question on your on your solo show where was you know because you tout pff you die on the hell of pff where right. was he rated again I, I'm I trying don't to remember. remember. He had some ridiculous rating. It was uh, towards the bottom, but I, I don't think they factor in what I told thank you. you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. No, there's no thank, thank you. you. Onward. There's no thank next, you. Next question. Next question. <laughs> Onward. Great. He's, he's great in the locker room. Cool. Got it. But you got to let those young horses run at this point where this team is at. Let those guys go. Okay. I just, I mean, I just told you the young horse is the guy, but I also said PFF doesn't grade locker room character, and they don't they don't understand the Lions haven't had anybody with that type Congrats. of work ethic in forever. Cool, good. Next question. Oh my! See, see what I deal Logan with. Logan didn't come here to listen to us argue. <laughs> He's got to know you got no clue what you're talking about. Griffka has no he has no idea of intangibles. Logan, are intangibles worth That's anything in the NFL? Intangibles are immeasurable. If somebody's favorite thing about somebody is, is intangible, that means they suck at everything else they want. When somebody says about a quarterback, no, what do you like about him? He's a winner. Well, it, that means he sucks at oh everything else God. because. Quarterbacks, you want a good arm. You want to be able to break down a defense, read a defense. Not like, well, he's a winner. Well, okay, well, great. He, he was at a winning program in college. Congratulations. That means he sucks at everything else. JT Barrett, every Ohio State quarterback that comes out, you know, it's just they're winners. They suck in the pros, okay? So you can't measure intangibles in heart. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got all that. On to the next thing, please. <laughs> Oh my, what, what a horrible take by you on so many levels. All right, Let, let's keep moving. Uh, gosh, I don't even let's get know. Let's a, what a bunch point. of locker room. Good, you get a whole bunch of good locker room guys. They're pretty average everywhere else, but they're great in the locker room. What do you have? You have a very average football team, okay? Yeah, and you know what you, know what you have? You have no intangibles, no locker room leadership. The Lions for the past decade. They got a bunch of like half-skill guys or a bunch of – guys that don't care and they lose all they the got time adrian peterson and they're a 500 they're, they're not even a 500 club so on to the next question okay. <laughs> trying to keep it moving here. <laughs> oh my gosh all right logan let's get into something right here let's get into something serious after griff could just waste both, most of our time we could like the fact that you keep saying on to the next question so i can't just crush you is pissing me off but i'm gonna move on to the next question I'm just this, trying to keep it moving this is you really come important here to listen to us argue but you, you can't give a horrible take and then tell people keep it moving and then think i'm not gonna be upset about it all right like let me say Griffka, i got something really important to ask logan here logan Akib to leave on Sunday. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> I mean, we got to get into this. This was something else on the microphone. Where were you at with him? I thought it was pretty interesting, and it's nice having, especially with the Lions, having those struggles in the secondary, hearing from him what he was seeing. Uh, so overall, I think it was it was solid. I, th- I will say he probably said man about 100 times, but I, 
I don't mind it. I know I, I appreciated the insight more than I cared about him constantly saying, man, but towards the end of the game, I was like, all right, you know, we can, we don't need to keep saying man anymore, but I think it'll get better. But overall, I liked it. He was so swaggy, so relaxed, so ridiculous that it was, it was great. I mean, I'm trying to get him to replace Grifka here on the podcast. He hasn't returned my calls yet, but man, give me a call because I got to get rid of Grifsky some way. Grifka, go ahead with your next question. That's all I wanted to say. Really? <laughs> okay, that was, that was a pretty awesome question there. Okay, this one's uh this one's for Derek. I want I want Derek to sit there and stew over this question as you answer it. Um, <sighs> recently read an article that um, the Lions are trying to lowball Kenny Galladay, and once again, I mean, I know Derek was like kind of like pay him, but is this kind of due to like where Kenny Galladay's been? You know, hurt a little bit. We've heard some stories maybe that that uh, he would skip practice or something and they had to go find him, you know, his, his tweets oh, that's going to cost you. Is this just one of those things where the Lions are trying to play a little hardball with him or are they just generally trying to lowball him, trying to get the lowest possible price for this guy? Yeah, so with this one, I, I think <sighs> that whole not being at practice was debunked. That That didn't seem to happen. So I don't know how much credence I'll give to that. But as far as his price tag, and I am kind of, on the side of you shouldn't overpay wide receivers and it, because it, you look at the position and yes, there's a lot of flashy plays that come from the wide receivers, but you don't technically really need them, need great ones to win. You can get by with just good receivers that can get open, reliable catching the ball. And with Kenny Galladay, you really have to wonder what he is exactly asking. Cause that's, that's the difficult part is what's considered lowballing. I, that's kind of a, a vague term. Uh, if, if Kenny Galladay is looking for $20 million a year, I think that's, that's too much for him. And even $18 million a year, I kind of, you know, even shrug at that a little bit where it's, it's just a really tough situation because you don't want to lose any playmakers. And Kenny Galladay is one of the few playmakers on the team, but is he worth $18 million, especially when the salary cast probably going to be going down next week or next year in most years I'd be fine paying 18 million dollars because it's you know it's towards the top of the receivers for money but you figure every single year guys are going to get more and more money as the salary cap increases and if that's not going to happen you're truly paying him to be a top receiver and I don't think he's quite there I think he makes a lot of amazing plays but there's other parts of his games like route running and creating separation that I don't think he's elite in that and uh, and there's very few all-around great receivers uh, but the ones who are making the big money, I feel like are more well-rounded than Kenny Galladay. So it's, I, I see both sides of it and I want Kenny Galladay to stay here, but at the same time, I know you can't overpay at the position. If you look at, I I've said this a million times, you look at all the Super Bowl winning teams, even last year with Kansas city, Tyree kills cap hit was only $2 million last year. More often than not, the teams that are winning Super Bowls or even getting to the Super Bowls are not overpaying receivers all the great receivers in the game right now DeAndre Hawkins Julio Jones they haven't won a Super Bowl and there's a lot more other positions the games but I just think when it goes to cap allocation and figuring out where to spend the money I think you can get a lot cheaper receivers through free agency or just pick one up in the draft because there's seemingly like 25 good ones coming out every year so I again I kind of steered away from the the whole because it's we don't know but um about just price but it's for me i i don't know the low ball again we don't know what the numbers are so it is what it is grifka can i talk now yeah, sure. Definitely. Go ahead. I, I, I've been sitting here stewing since you asked this question. Not not based on Logan's very logical, very well thought out, very well laid out answer, but by by you. I mean, this is this is classic you trying to paint the Lions like there's some oh they're low ball oh they're 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 playing the slow game they're waiting them out. Logan basically laid out the same argument I've been telling you when I was waiting because he's not a top eight top five, top 10, even talent at the receiver position. The reason I've come your way on paying him is because the guy continued to produce week after week, year after year. Anytime he's out there, he makes catches. He scores touchdowns. So I got to a point where I was just like, yeah, he's still not an elite speed guy. He's not good on separation. There's probably 10 other guys I would rather have than Kenny Galladay. 
But if you're going to keep producing every time you're on the football field and be a humble guy, I was ready to, to pay him. Now he's down with a couple injuries. So I don't know why you're trying to just paint the Lions like there's some evil, you know, oh, how dare they? I know I know you think we have an endless pay paycheck, you know, that has no no limit on it. You know, just that black card that you can just spend anything you want on this football team. But there's definitely a, a cost where it, where there's a breaking point, as Logan laid out, as I laid out. And now with these injuries and, you know, does he want to be here? Does he not? What would he get on the open market? All those things are probably coming into play as well as where are the Lions right now? I mean, are they going to make a playoff push or are they going to be in rebuild? Because it depends, you know, what you're going to do on, on with whether you keep this guy as well. So, like I say, I think Logan laid it out well. The fact that you framed this question of, like, why aren't they paying him? How dare they? Is classic Grifka and uh, – like I said, I was on the hey, wait it out, maybe don't pay him. And now I've if before he got hurt again, I was like, hey, you know, he just keeps playing well. Uh, he's been my guy from early on when, when he donned the uniform. Let's go ahead and get this done. We got the money as well as that was if you're going to keep Stafford, Swift, Galladay, um, Hawkinson. I thought that was a nice core. So I'm still like if he could get back on the football field or soon and play. I I don't mind paying the guy where Logan said to pay him. But if he wants some crazy amount or if he's just going to be dinged up or doesn't want to be here, hey, we, we can go get another receiver that probably has more elite traits than Kenny Galladay. There you go. Don't forget the franchise tag, too. That's always in the back pocket. Uh, and pretty much with the new CBA rules, it, franchise tag players, they can't really hold out um, right? because the fines are hefty. So, uh, I mean, to me... Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I just don't like that because then you're getting into the not only the crazy money, but you're also, you know, I think that should be saved for those elite players that you just can't let get away. I don't feel like Kenny, if he did leave, that we're just doomed. You know what I mean? As you laid out draft right. free agency, you can you can replace him in different ways. So I the, the franchise tag is is kind of that exclusive where you either got to have the guy or the guy's just so dang good that you can't live without him. And I don't know that he. He fits either of those, but if you want to make a good deal at 15 to 18 for three to four years, you know, I, I, I would, I would definitely try to work that out while you have the money and to keep this core together. If, if this regime's going to be around, I mean, who knows what's going to happen here in the near future. True. So we'll, uh, we'll, well see it. I mean, the lions, if the, if he were to walk in free agency, considering the amount of money he get, he would get on the open market. It's likely the lions would get like a third round comp pick. Uh, in the year following draft, right. but that's if the Lions don't bring any any of their own big free agents. So you know how that comp formula is just kind of crazy with yep. the pluses and minuses. But uh, you wouldn't necessarily get nothing if he walks. But yeah, it's just tough to see playmakers, you know, especially homegrown playmakers, walk out of Detroit and you know when they when they need help. So it's a tough situation. Yeah. Logan, let, let me ask you this one. Um, I'm really curious where you're at with this because every week we got to hear Matt Patricia talk about consistency, being more consistent, doing the little things well. Yet every week they're consistently inconsistent at almost everything where some weeks it's good. Some weeks it looks horrible. S- spurts in the game, they're good at things. Other spurts are not. What do you think's leading to this when you got a coach and a scheme and a situation that's preaching consistency, yet the team's anything but? Uh, that's, there's a lot going on, I think, uh, just cause there's, there's so many different things that could be happening and it's things you can't really measure to me. I think this defense, uh, it's not a defense that I think players necessarily play usually going up to the ranks. That's why the Lions have such a uh, specific type of talent. They always look for, for this defense, cause it is very unique and it's so gap reliant where, if one guy loses their gap in a gap control scheme, I think everything kind of falls apart against the run. And then they don't have the athletes to, to be able to make up for the open space. Cause the lions aren't a uh, very athletic defense. And that's on defense. You see guys missing tackles. And I don't know if that's necessarily just due to lack of athleticism where guys can't get there, or if it's just truly a team that isn't strong in the fundamentals. I, it, and missed tackles, you can see a team go from one end of the spectrum to the other in the span of a year sometimes. So that's just kind of part of the game a little bit. But uh, it's every week it seems like there's something different that's causing issues, and there's always the main issues that always are around. But to me, it, it, he can keep 
preaching fundamentals, but at a certain point, maybe the scheme is flawed more than, you know, more so than the players. If these players that you're bringing in that fit the profile can't do what you're asking them to do on a consistent basis. Interesting. Let me ask you this uh, quick uh, in the words of Grifka follow up, you know, a little piggyback here on that answer. Um, what, uh, before we take a break to give us a little synopsis where you're at with this scheme. I mean, is it broken? Can it work now in 2020? Is it past it's, it's time. Where are you at with it? I think it's broken and I don't think it's going to work unless Matt Patricia changes his ways. And you see even other Patriots disciples or, Bill Belichick in New England and if you look at the graphs of how much those teams are blitzing or how many um, you know how much man coverage are playing yes the Patriots still run a lot of man coverage but I think they have a little bit better players that can do that but to to me it's more so the conservativeness of Patricia is way different than what the other uh, Belichick disciple defenses are and I feel like other Belichick disciples can you know kind of find their own uh version of the Patriots defense and Patricia just hasn't seemed to found that he seems like he's just so set on doing exactly the same thing every week and it's supposed to be a multiple defense but you rarely ever see that and they're super predictable in the coverage they get very conservative and only rush three or sometimes four and they don't I thought Patricia would do a lot more stunts and be more creative with his blitzes I haven't seen that so I, I feel like it can change, but at this point it's been two and a half years in and there's just hasn't been anything to really say, Hey, like this is what the defense could be. There's been very few and far between games where you're actually truly impressed with the defense. Good stuff, man. I, you know, appreciate that answer. Like say it's a, it's a, it's, it's the big thing they got to get figured out how, or can they even get consistent as well as, you know, is this thing broken as you kind of laid out, we'll wait and see these next few games. No doubt about it. Griffka, I know you want to talk. I know you've been over there sitting quietly. I mean, before you talk, I just got a little something for you. Know your role and shut your mouth because the people's champ is ready to talk. And Grifka, the reason I'm the people's champ on today's show is because we got no, we're, we're not, we're not going to do sponsors. You're going to hear one little uh, commercial of me trying to tell you guys to listen to B L E A V and Lions with myself and Benny Blades. Uh, podcast drops on Thursday morning. Other than that, we're not going to bog you down with any ads this week. We're going to jump right back into questions. Logan, you got a little bit more time for us? I'm sure Grifka has got some questions locked and loaded for you after the break. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll take a real quick break and then we'll let Grifka talk again. Everybody, we'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Derek Oakry of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, and this is normally where I tell you about some of our great sponsors, but today I want to tell you about my other Lions podcast. It's called Believe in Lions, and that's spelled B-L-E-A-V on the Believe Podcasting Network with both myself and Lions legendary safety, Benny Blades. Yeah, you know who he is. The hard-hitting safety, Benny Blades, played for the Lions. He also played for the U. You know what it is. The University of Miami, those Miami Hurricanes. He mentions it multiple times on the show. Benny loves to talk about his Hurricanes, his Lions, and I love to play this soundbite on the show. We have a ton of fun on that show. We laugh, we joke, we talk Lions. Like I said, he brings up the Hurricanes. I talk about my Michigan Wolverines. Um, it's it's a really fun show. Benny loves the Lions. He tells great stories from his playing days, as well as uh, we're just rooting on this team. We B-L-E-A-V in the Lions. So please go ahead, find it on your favorite podcast platform. Hit that subscribe button and check it out. Share it with a friend. We really appreciate it. So check out Believe. B-L-E-A-V in lines with myself and Benny Blades. Thank you guys so much. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers are back from the break. Please, please go check out Believe in Lions. It's spelled B-L-E-A-V in Lions with myself and Benny Blades. We have a lot of fun on that show. He loves the Lions. You you know I B-L-E-A-V and talking Lions uh, 
once a week with him. So please check that out. And we're really happy to have Logan on. Again, you can check out all his stuff on Sports Illustrated. Just go to their website. Go to All Lions. He's writing articles, doing some different media things. You can find him on the radio at different times. It's crazy. So we're just really happy to have him. And I'm going to turn it over to Grifka. I mean, Grifka is the very well-spoken, the very, um, I mean, I'm sure he's put time and time into his questions today. And here I am just beating him up on the show. But I mean, Grifka, really, like, isn't that why people tune into our show mostly is because I beat you up and you get all mad about it. And then we go back and forth. Isn't that why why people listen to the Kool-Aid cast for the most part? Well, you like to think so, so I'll let you go with it. All right, man, go ahead, ask Logan. I'll give you a double dip, Griff. Go ahead and and just fire away. Give him two amazing questions. I can't wait to hear. I'll sit here quietly. Okay. Um, (laughs) It's a good thing we were talking about the defense before the break because uh, my next question leads right into that. Um, In particular, about one person. Um, Dug up this stat, which uh, not really dug up. I just stumbled across it. But uh, Derek's favorite group, PFF. There we go. they have rated on. Romeo Aquara the fourth highest pressure rate this season. And that's got to be out of defensive lineman because he's behind TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, Joey Bosa himself. Now, pressure rate, I mean, me and Derek have had this discussion before. I think pressures are called almost stats. It's like, hey, you almost got to the quarterback and you made a move. But oh, yeah, um, yeah. still something good can happen with the office, even with the pressure. Like that. With that being said, Romeo Cora is having a decent pressure year. How come this hasn't? I mean, he's, he leads the team in sacks, but still he's not <laughs> dominating. So is this just kind of that bounce back year, or like, how do you feel about pressures? I mean, are these like a killer stat, or is this kind of one of those things where nice job, but still we're not getting to the quarterback like we should? Griffco, before <laughs> Logan answers, like, just tell Logan he's not Reggie White, please. I got to hear that. Yeah, he ain't Reggie White. Heck, he, he's not even he's not even Dwayne White right now. So what are you talking about? What Dwayne White? Oh my gosh! Has anybody ever? I said I'd be quiet, but has anybody learned anything on the show? Grifka gives no credit to a Hall of Famer, locker room leader, hard worker. He calls him sucks multiple times. And then the best pass rusher on our team that's having a career year playing, getting after the quarterback. You just acted like, oh, wow, congratulations. You got five or six sacks and, and a couple strip sacks. Big deal, big guy. I mean, he's the... He's the best rusher we have on the team, and you're just acting like his stats are nothing. Like, gosh almighty, what do we got to do to, uh, you know, please you? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Go to the Hall of Fame and be an all-pro every year. Gosh almighty, unbelievable. Would you you let the guy answer the question for Pete's sake? Go go ahead, (laughs) I like the Dwayne White reference because I completely forgot. Who that was for a second, like, oh yeah, he did play for the Lions. <laughs> Griffith always tried to get his autograph when he go to training camp. He's always hounding Dwayne White. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's I, hard I remember being pretty pumped up when he signed it. But anyways, yeah, back to Romeo Aquara. Pressures, I think, are a good stat because it means you're getting close and potentially you're forcing the quarterback to get rid of the ball because we've seen so many times with a the Lions defense gets no pressure. And then you got guys like Dak Prescott who are going through their reads a few times before having to get rid of the ball. So uh, it, it is nice to see those pressures turn into sacks or those, the hurries turn into sacks. But I, I think you, know, if you have to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, anytime you look at pressures, because it can mean a lot of different things, it, you know, it, whether it's a hurry, a hit or a sack, the, the hurry, Yes, that's the least, um, you know, notable of the three because you're essentially just getting close to the quarterback and the quarterback wants to get rid of it. But if that leads to interceptions, it's a good thing, but not all of them do that. But you have to have someone get there and the Lions defensive tackles don't get there. So the fact that Romeo Aquar has been able to step up and, and, and he's always played around 50% of the snaps anyways, even when Trey Flowers was healthy. But uh, now with Trey Flowers out, I, I do think that, He's been stepping up, and even when Flowers was healthy again, Aquara was doing good. So it's, I think he's exactly really what you know people envision him as. At. I don't think he's a top pass rusher by any means, but he's he's productive, and <laughs> the Lions that's good. 
Grifka, I got a question for you before you get to your next one. Do you think Aquara is a good player or not? He's decent. Yeah. He right. <laughs> How's the season been so far this year? For for him, it's a good season. <laughs> okay, how, it's a lot how, better. It's it's a lot better than what I would expect. So yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things where this season's more of an anomaly than what he actually produces year in and year out. Really, what that's he's funny. Done so far I, this that's year. funny you say that because two years ago he had a similar season which was really good, and he's only had the one year in the middle where he wasn't good. So I'd say two years out of three that both were good would make him a pretty good defensive end. Well, you just pulled out. You just pulled out a stat where you just used your own numbers to prove your point. That's all stats is. You just took whatever numbers you want. So he's a, you're making it sound like he's been around like in the league for three years and he's had two good years, or you know, he, he had one good year and now he's having a he's having a good year and he had an off year. But he's been around a little longer than that, sir. So. <laughs> Uh, I mean, not really Grifka. He was with the Giants and then we got him. Logan, help me out here. Has he been in the league four years or so? Five years now? Uh, 2016, I believe, with the Giants. And then the Giants cut him after yeah. his second year. And the Lions picked him up uh, before the season started in 2018. So, yeah, that'd be five years. So, so he's in his fifth year. Okay. Yep. And but I to, will say, as a Lion, a 2018 would you say- season. Yeah, would you say he's had um, two good years out of three for the Lions? Yeah, and I think this year has been better than even his 2018 season, where I, he had seven sacks. I want to say something around that ballpark. But he, again, looking at his pressure numbers, uh, he already has as many pressures as he did in the 2018 season, and he's only played half of his pass rushing snaps so far um, than he did in 2018. So he's he's definitely on a much higher clip in terms of pressure percentage than he was in 2018 yeah so i guess my point is that not everybody has to be all pro hall of famer just elite top echelon player to be a good edge rusher be a good helpful piece for the lions okwara has been good two out of three years um you know if he's wanting to get paid you know maybe you let him walk but don't we can't just look past and say like oh he's been middle of the road he's 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 not that great I don't know who would say something like that, but um, that he's not that great of a player. Like he has been good for this team. So I, I think this is the the return to where he, he is and, and this is a player, not the anomaly as, as one person on the show said, but go, go ahead, Grifka. I just wanted to follow up on, on Aquara. I, I like him. I think he's shown a nice bounce back and uh, he's probably uh, good and your scale of things, not sucks and not great. He's like I said, he's decent. He's I mean, better, I'm not gonna he's like, better than decent, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, reason, reasonable minds can differ. No problem. I guess um, anybody can get seven to ten sacks. I guess that's not a big deal. Go ahead. A lot of people get seven sacks in the league. Look it up. I mean, it's not like, you know, just fall he's not Reggie it. White. They're not uh, – offense, offensive coordinators aren't, like, scheming to stop Romeo or Quar, like, pointing them out every play, so – just like I said. Um, next question. You gonna be okay, Derek? Need, need <laughs> I don't know. I was good before the show started. Go ahead. Not being negative, just asking serious questions. Just trying to get another man's opinion because I know your opinion already. Okay. Next question. Um, so, for some odd reason, a lot of people are already calling. Jeff Okuda a bust. Now, a lot of people also forget that Darius Slay also really struggled in his rookie year as well. And I even shook his hand when he was a rookie. I don't know if he knew that. We were at training camp. I had the honor of oh, shaking Darius Slay's hand. And that's sure. how he became good. It rubbed <laughs> off. That's, I think that's the problem here. Jeff Okuda was unable to shake my hand. Can you go shake camp, his hand, please? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. During COVID. I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, the governor is not allowing me out of my house right now. He's, she shut down everything. So it, it might have to wait till next training camp if we have fans. But so expect a big turnaround next year if that does happen. But my question to you is relatively, how many years would you give a cornerback before, especially one drafted that high, before you officially call them, you know, a bust, a bad pick? Or are, are people just kind of going off the cliff a little too early on this guy? Yeah, so it's tough without an offseason to prepare. I, I do agree that being a top three pick anytime a player is selected in the top three you you hope they come in there and make an instant impact and that's not always the case 
and you have seen plenty of corners. Darius Slay is a great example of a rookie struggle their rookie year, and then um, they have a bounce back second season. And I guess you can look at even Amani Aruare, who's having a nice second year. And I thought he had a solid rookie season too, because he did have a couple of nice interceptions. But outside of that, there was definitely some growing pains for him. And he's really cleaned those up in year two. And I think that's could be the same with Jeff Okuda. If it's a, if he's in a different scheme next year, I think zone more zone coverage would probably, even though he comes from a heavy press man type of background, I think his length and just his ability to read the quarterback, I think it'd, he'd be a great zone corner as well with the ability to play man, but he's just in a really tough spot right now. And there's not too many teams that have uh, play as much man as the lions and don't have uh, that pass rush where it's really, helps out a lot in man defense. So I'm not, I I would say it's probably after three years, if he's still continuously doing the same thing, maybe even after two years, um, two years and a few games into the third year to be like, okay, he's not really picking it up, but I I would really be interested to see just how he looks on a team that actually has a great pass rush and doesn't always run the same man, you know, man concepts. And I know the Lions have been switching up a little bit to zone more, but it's still Jeff Okuda's in a really tough spot. And uh, I don't think you can call him a bust right now. And he's, he's shown flashes at least there's been uh, there. I know he missed a couple tackles last week. And right when I say that uh, he's been really good in run defense, he has been good in run defense, but of course, recency bias is going to be like, Oh, well, he's, he sucked last week against the run because he had two missed tackles on one drive. And that was the only missed tackles he had all game were those two. But um, I, I do think there's a lot to like about him. And he just, he needs to clean up his coverage. And you can tell sometimes when he's covering guys, it just almost looks like he's processing things a little bit too much. And I, it, it doesn't look like he's just playing instinctually or just uh, is, you know, I, I think just the mental aspect of the game is a little quick for him right now. So I, I'm not calling him a bust, but you know, maybe after next year, if he's still having the same issues for a top three pick, yeah, he's uh, definitely not looking great. But that's after next year, so. Okay, uh, just a quick piggyback on that, Derek. That's for you. Um, with like you like you mentioned, how he's able to read the quarterback, you know, and when once the game maybe slows down a little bit for him, if he continues to struggle at cornerback and with his size would he be a good fit maybe to possibly move to safety? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's no. always a tough question because some but, guys have the instincts no. and some guys don't. Uh, you'd imagine he'd probably be, you know, he is a physical tackler. It's it's something you can always try, but uh, there's a lot more to safety. I think you just have to have, it depends what type of safety you're playing. If he's going to be a deep free safety, you have to have great instincts and great range for that. And I think he would have the range, but, um, if it, maybe if he was just covering, you know, basically a, a box safety who covers a slot, kind of like J. Ron Curse. I don't think he's like with how the Lions use J. Ron Curse, where he's almost a linebacker half the plays, uh, but more so of like how J. Ron Curse was used last year in Minnesota, where he was just basically a big slot corner cover tight ends. Maybe you could try that. I just think Jeff Okuda's skill set is too good not to find a place for him. And maybe it, maybe it isn't on, on the outside. I, I personally still think it is, but uh, I guess we can cross that bridge once we get there where a, a guy with that much talent should be able to find a role somewhere. Yeah, I would have to say if he was forced to move to safety, I think he would be terrible. But that's just me. <laughs> I think you're right. I'm with you. He's, you know, I, think he, I think he's probably more of a fit outside. And if, uh, if it doesn't work there, they would have to eventually cut bait with the guy. Uh, Derek, I hear you over there having a coronary. Uh, why don't you bring up your uh, next question? Oh, my gosh. Logan, I was trying to be quiet to respect your answer, but please know you have full rights and privileges on the show to just shut Grifka down when he asks a horrible question <laughs> like that. Like, Jeff Okuda's played like six games, Grifka. You're already moving his position, and we're saying it's time to cut bait on the guy. No, I'm I mean, not. That's not what I'm saying at all. You know, you know what Obviously Jeff Okuda has? He has intangibles, Grifka, as well as he can yeah. he can ball. I'm sorry he hasn't put up your stats yet, but you're not have to move him to to box I safety call, all of a sudden. I haven't called him a bust, and I, I haven't called him a oh, bust, and I'm just gosh. saying as a possibility. I'm not looking to move him. I said he would suck as a safety. I'm not looking to put him at safety. Then, then what's so the question? Why don't you go back, play with your keyboard and the sound bites, and 
you know, bring in the next question. I will. Logan, if he ever does that again, just tell me to play this. It drives me freaking blockers. <laughs> or, or like, I do this because Griff guy, I just have to say, what the heck are you doing? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> what, what is that? Oh, my gosh. Let's get to some serious stuff, Logan. I'm not going to ask you about Tlaib or all the other great questions I've had here on the show. Talk to me about Matt Stafford. Let's get down to the brass tag. I don't know why we didn't start the show and end the show with this question. Matt Stafford, the signal caller of this team. He's up. He's down. He plays good. He, we've never won anything with the guy. He gets paid $30 million, but there's people that he can't do any wrong. I mean, he pulls a rabbit out of the hat this week. The week before, he threw two horrible interceptions like he'd been in the league, uh, you know, three games. Where are you at with number nine right now? I'm very curious. That's a question. Oh, yeah. So let's start from the beginning. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) I could say so much on this, but to me right now, I think Stafford, uh, yes, he's had some questionable decisions, which have been odd this year. And I think a lot of that is probably just due to him pressing and knowing that the defense probably isn't going to bail him out. And he's trying to, he's always been a tight window throw type of guy and a gunslinger mentality. And it's, it gets you in trouble. And that's just the way, it's always been, and you have the pros and you have the cons with that. You see a lot of plays where he's making throws that other guys can't make, and then at the same time, those throws he's trying to make that most quarterbacks can't make uh, don't end in his favor. So uh, for me, I think he's just at the point in his career. I don't think he's regressing at all. Um, yes, he has regressed from last year, but I don't think it's because of his age or anything like that where people is like, oh, he's too old, you know, got to – Got to find a young quarterback. He's still only 32 years old, and you see plenty of quarterbacks that are 10 years older than him that are still playing and don't have the you know the, the arm strength that Stafford has. So uh, I I would like to see him play more consistently, and I've I've always wanted to see him you know with a complete team around him because I do think he can win in the league. But it is starting to get to the point, and this is the first time I think I've ever said this in Stafford's career, where if the new regime were to come in and they wanted to clear a house and just do a full rebuild, and they got the, the go-ahead from the Fords to basically have three years of just building their team and knowing they have job security, it, it could potentially be a, a separation from Stafford if they can get a high draft pick for him or if they have the opportunity to draft a quarterback, which I don't think they necessarily will, at least not Fields or, or Lawrence, that type of caliber of quarterback. Um, it's just uh, – Yes, he, he will have a pretty significant cap hit next year, a dead cap if they were to trade him. But again, if, you're, if there's a new regime in here that doesn't really care about next year, they're just trying to get as many draft picks as they can and build up young talent, then is it worth keeping Stafford around uh, just to have him here and finish off his career uh, on a rebuilding team? So I'm, I'm conflicted there. I I have a feeling that if Stafford goes to you know one of the teams that, is built and ready for a championship. They're just looking for a quarterback. I think Stafford's going to look like an elite quarterback that we've seen glimpses of in Detroit. It's just it situation by situation is so difficult sometimes to compare apples to apples because every team is different and the lions have really made life difficult on Stafford just because they haven't ever truly helped him out. So uh, I, I still believe in Stafford this year that he's having, he's had more uh, inaccurate passes that I've seen in a long time and a lot of questionable decisions making his pocket presence has also been not great at times, but uh, he still has what it takes to win the league. And even in, I've, I've said this a hundred times too, even if the Lions do move on, it's going to be really tough to find a player that's much better than Stafford. That's going to be able to take a team that has no run game, or at least this year, not a very good run game. Maybe if they play Swift more, it'll be better and no defense. Like that's, not many quarterbacks have success on a consistent basis when they for a majority of the careers have no run game and below average defense. Let me, um, let me ask Grifka two quick things. Then I got a, a rapid fire follow-ups or piggybacks. That's for you, Grifka, um, to what you just said. Grifka, do you have a question locked and loaded for Logan to finish the show when I throw it to you? It's just a quick one. You, you you don't have a humdinger. You don't have a just a, a a massive, unbelievable question ready to go. 
I don't know. I guess it depends on how you feel about it. Yeah, all right. You've been kind all of right, well, dismissive of my other questions. So, I mean. All right. Well, we'll bring your best one because I got a couple quick piggybacks for him. Logan, let me ask you this. Uh, would If you were the guy making the decisions at, at 32, how many more years do you think Stafford you know, has left in your opinion? I think at least – three like good years before maybe that decline starts to happen physically. Uh, and again, you just don't really know. Uh, we, we've seen so many other quarterbacks that have like Drew Brees and Tom Brady, and maybe Stafford isn't on that level. He isn't on that level probably in terms of just overall greatness, but the physical tools, a lot of times I feel like is what really hurts players when those start declining, they can't do what they used to. And for Stafford, I still think he has, some prime years left. So I, I would say at minimum three years before his arm strength were to start diminishing. Okay. Do you, do you think he still loves the game? That I, I feel like he should. I mean, as a NFL player, you have to be one of the elite competitors. And I, I don't think that's a drive that necessarily just goes away. Uh, I could understand if he's, I think do think it's human nature a little bit when you're beaten down as much as you have been being on the Lions. Uh, maybe that takes a toll on you, but I, I still see fire. Um, people always, I feel like there's a lot of people that give him a hard time for saying he just doesn't want to win bad enough. But whenever you listen to him mic'd up, he seems pretty intense and intent on making sure he's trying to win and really getting after it. I, I would not want to face Logan on the witness stand here with some of these answers here that you're, you're giving me. Logan, point blank. <laughs> is, is Matt Stafford worth what his current contract pays him the next two to three years right now? Yeah, I would say so. He's not even in the top 10 right now for average salary as a quarterback. And he had, yep, hasn't been playing like a top 10 quarterback this year. But at times he has. Uh, last year, he was definitely uh, in that category. And every year, as more contracts uh, get put into place, he's just probably going to continue to fall and the contract gets better and better as it goes on. And so at this point, I think it's still a steal of a deal, even though uh, he has had some struggles this year. All right. Hey, Griff, I'm about to come to you. So make sure you're ready. Make sure you Google that, uh, that, that lion's question in your, in your machine. Logan is Matt Stafford. Can he win here in Detroit with this current setup they have? This current setup, no. I mean, we're we're seeing it that it's it's not working, and I don't know what quarterback really could. Maybe there's one or two, you know, future Hall of Famers that could win more games uh, and maybe get the team to the playoffs and get a playoff win. But it's definitely not. No matter what quarterback you put on this roster, it's not going to be a championship caliber type of team. It's uh, he's he's just in a rough spot right now. Logan Lamarandier. Can you can you win with Matt Stafford in a in a quick two to three year rebuild if they if they broom out all the coach and the GM? Yes or no? Uh, it's a possibility, but oh I would say God. it's unlikely if they're going to do a full rebuild because right. this defense it's so far it's so far gone. Uh, you know, it's all Patricia's guys, and they're guys that don't really fit in today's NFL. They're just a bunch of big guys that can control gaps and today's league is all about speed. And, um, you know, I feel like shooting gaps and getting the quarterback and the Lions defense is none of that, at least the front seven, maybe their secondary could look improved with, um, a better front seven and a pass rush. But I, I think the offense is set up well for the next regime. Okay. Um, my last question to the witness up here, uh, Logan Lamarandier, would you, um, how do I phrase this? Are you, are you keeping Matt Stafford as the Lions quarterback after firing Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn? Yes or no? Uh, yes, but there's, (laughs) there's always a, but, um, if a team were to offer a first round pick, you know, I think it'd be tempting, um, in a new regime, if, if I had, if I was the GM and I had three years to fully rebuild and you're going to get a first round pick for Matthew Stafford and you knew you could add talent and I, I would probably pull the trigger on it, but um, it all depends on the situation. It depends on 
if there's a quarterback, if you come across a quarterback in the drafts, it kind of falls in your lap. Maybe that's different as well. But um, I, I guess I never really thought too much about that. I, I, I would probably, yeah, move on from Stafford. And I, I hate to say it because I'm still a Stafford supporter, but uh, given the three-year rebuild, that's, I don't know if it's worth it. No further questions, Your Honor. Grifka, go ahead, sir. <laughs> Um, make make just it a quick good. one. How bad did the Lions overpay for Hal Vitae and now they're going to be stuck with this overpaying this guy at a guard because he obviously can't play tackle? Put, put Jamie well, Collins in there too, please. Okay. I don't think Jamie Collins has been that bad. I no, mean, he's, he's been horrible. He's had his good games and a couple of bad games, but overall for $10 million a year, Collins is it's not like he's making $18 million a year like CJ Mosley or some of the other top paid linebackers, but back to hell by Ty. Uh, yeah, that was a contract. I didn't really like to start. I don't think too many people did. He's been a career backup. Uh, even the year that they went, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and he was a starter. He had a great stretch in the playoffs, but outside of that, he was not very good in pass protection. And that's what you want out of your tackles, no matter right side or left side now because that's the way of the league and there's always good pass rushers coming from both sides. And now that he's playing more guard, it's like, okay, you can have just paid Graham Glasgow that money. But when you really look at the contract of Vitae, it's almost a, a two-year deal. He's not even making that much money this year, not making that much money next year, pretty average numbers. And then you could cut him after next season. And that, yes, you'll have a $4 million worth of dead cap and that would be 2022 but uh, that's not horrible to get out of his contract. And for, for me, it's just, uh, oh, I wish I had the contract pulled up in front of me, but I know this year, next year, his cap hits aren't that bad. So it's on the outside, when you look at a five-year, $45 million contract, it looks like a lot, but the way they structured it, the Lions can get out of it if they need to. So I don't, I, I wish he were playing better and maybe he still could. He's been dealing with that foot injury, but I never had super high expectations for him in the first place, but just feel good knowing that if it doesn't work out and he doesn't turn things around after next year, the Lions can cut bait and with minimal, uh, I guess, repercussions. Yeah, that's, I kind of feel the same way, especially since they drafted two guards and, Crosby's been doing okay out at tackle. I think he's been better than Vitae when he's been out there. So this might be one of those things that the Lions look to cut bait a lot quicker than uh, than what people thought after they signed. Um, that's my last question, Derek. Do you have anything else? Uh, <laughs> any other Matt Stafford uh, questions you want to bring up? You know, like you know, maybe is this maybe is his thumb really hurting, or is that another fake injury that you like to say? Uh, Stafford has, you know, his <laughs> Back, his feet, his ankles, his rumor and innuendo, Grifka. We don't need to get into Lions twenty four seven articles. Uh, but your question on Hal Vitae and Hal Vitae's performance this year? Lo- Logan's performance again on the show. All of his answers. Oh, ho, ho. Woo! Logan, I feel like every time you leave the show, we give you like the Twitter handle. You 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 very humbly talk about your great work at Sports Illustrated. Like, what can we do to help the Logan brand? I mean, is is there anything we can do? I'm sure Griffco would would love to to help you out as well. <laughs> what, what what can we do here to let the people know where to find you or like just appreciate you coming on here and talking Lions and and, and mostly setting Griffco straight? I mean, I appreciate it. I must say. Oh, just in the normal spots on Twitter at L Lamrandy here, si.com slash NFL slash Lions. You can find the articles I write there and uh, plenty of other Lions content. You know, everything Lions is all there. So that's why it's all Lions. But um, <laughs> Instagram, same deal. Uh, Facebook as well. I mean, anywhere you want to find me. And I, I always enjoy talking Lions football and um interact as much as I can. I know I haven't been as active lately. I, I'm trying to be, but you know, sometimes life is just busy, but uh, busy, busy I always man. make time for Lions football. No doubt. Well, I'm looking at the calendar. We got Carolina, Houston on Turkey Day, and then Chicago at Chicago, and then we'll have you back on, I believe, to uh, see where the team's at at that point, because I think we're at a 
uh, fork in the road again. It's kind of like, you know, I think last time you were on, they were kind of, you know, what are we going to get? And then they got back to sea level and then they fell below. And now if they beat Carolina, they're back up to even again. So I just don't know what we'll see, but always love, you know, having you on your insight, all that type of thing. I feel like sometimes you uh, got a little bit of the waffle maker in you where you're a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Maybe I'm not sure, but like I said, uh, always entertaining. We try to have fun here on the show. I mean, I know Grifka uh, is he's, he's the funniest man on the show by far. There's no question. And, and Grifka, I mean, we've had Logan on, you've had some great questions, some not so much. Um, you know, we, we've talked about some great topics. I mean, there's only one thing left to do, and that's simply this. Grifka, you got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, everybody, drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. You know how we do it. Drink it in, uh... With a side of cornbread. Cornbread, corn, cornbread. Everybody, take care. We'll be back on Friday talking all things Lions right here on the D. Troy Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Pack the bag, stop the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.